Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit iloveSCBC.org. Good morning, church. It is always good to be here with you in the presence of the Holy Spirit and sharing the Word of God. It is my privilege and honor to share the Word that is always alive as a power to transform our lives. We're in the midst of the series called Life Together. Can everybody say Life Together? You know, when I was preparing this new sermon and also theme of our 2020, I had this question always in my mind. The question is this. Has SBC been following the blueprint of the early church? Has SBC been following the blueprints of the early church? Or has SBC been just following the trend or fashion of this world? That was always in my mind as I was preparing this message and this sermon series. How many of you know what blueprints is? Okay, how many of you have used that before? Put your hands on it. I know that some of you probably know, even though you never use it, the importance of blueprints. What is a blueprint? Especially when you build a house. I've seen a lot of blueprints when I was younger. As a kid, because of my father used to work as a general contractor, I was always amazed by the size of the roll of the blueprint. There are the, the several multiple layers in the roll. And on those papers, and there are countless measurements and instructions. I remember my father told me about the importance of blueprints as a general contractor. Even if one tiny aspect from the blueprints has been tweaked, ignored, and overlooked, whole construction of the building can be compromised. And I believe the same is true. At the birth of the church, God has given us blueprint on how we should build our church. Why do you think that many churches are struggling? Why do you think that many churches are really not following the God's great this, you know, purpose in their lives? And I believe because they are following the wrong blueprints. Perhaps there are trends. Perhaps the culture. Perhaps what this world, the society, are fascinated and hailed about. But I believe this morning, with my strong heart and belief, the only way to build God's church is to follow God's blueprints. Amen? And I believe the blueprints has been demonstrated greatly from the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, this is also theme of our church of the year. Can we read it all together? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Amen. There are four, I want to say, important instructions of the blueprints that God has given us to build God's church. The first is what? The first is the Word of God. We talked about the Word of God last Sunday. I said the Word of God is the only unchanging thing in this ever-changing world. I compare the Word of God as an you know, anchor of our soul, anchor of our spiritual life. Ever seen the anchor? When the anchor is dropped down, even there are storms and power of current and power of waves. People, those who are in there and boats, they find themselves even 
comfortable. Why? Because they know, even though it's probably, you know, shifting a little bit, it's not going to be drifted away. I believe the anchor represents the word of God, and sheep and bulls represent us. But think about that. What good is that if you just drop the anchor, but there's no chain? Think about that. There's no use for the anchor. That's why we stay connected with God. You know what that means, stay connected with the Word of God? It's not about studying the Word of God. It's not about just expanding your intellectual knowledge on the Word of God. No. I believe that a lot of circumstances, especially when you're going through, when you read the Word of God, you ever experienced there's a word or a phrase from the Bible? feels like kind of, you know, became alive and it into your heart. And then that word is holding on to it because you have nothing else to hold on to. And you've been connected and staying connected to the Word of God. That's what it means to be staying with the Word as the anchor. We also talk about that the Word of God is unchanging God's guideline in this ever-changing Word. I compare the Word of God as GPS. And we also talk about this great use of GPS. But if GPS is not communicating with the satellite, there's no use. Even though GPS tells where you are at, and where you are heading, and how to get there, if you are not communicating with the satellite, there's no use of it. I believe the satellite representing the Word of God, and in GPS representing our life. We have to be keep communicating with God. There's a great way to do it. It is the Word of God. And second Sunday, I'd like to speak on the subject of mission of God. And I entitled today's message, Life Together on the Mission of God. Touch your neighbor and then just share this title. Life Together on the Mission of God. Life Together on the Mission of God. Now, the, the second, second instruction of this God's blueprint, and the Bible says from verse 42, from the second chapter of God in the book of Acts, it says fellowship. Many people actually misunderstood about this word fellowship. And as if that there are all these early churches, the great instruction of being together, build their church, is having fellowship. Meaning, after you know, the worship service, after the pastor's preaching, they went into the fellowship hall, had this cup of coffee with the great donuts. Many people in America think the fellowship of that. But that is not the true meaning of fellowship. It's more of a mission of God. Here's a reason why. You know the word fellowship in Greek here is koinonia. Everybody says koinonia. Even the logos, this Bible, you know, software, translate it as a communion and having fellowship. That is a fair translation, but I believe that's not, you know, the whole and full translation. Now, I was also looking around the other passages and this great passage came to my mind. This could explain probably best when it comes to the meaning of koinonia, which is taken from 1 John and chapter 1, verse 3. Let's read it all together. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son and Jesus Christ. John is saying on behalf of disciples, James and Peter, as he was getting into the last phase of his life, 
Notice that there are a lot of these false doctrines that are invading the church. The one of them is Gnosticism. You know what Gnosticism is? Gnosticism is a simple. It, has, it, has, it says it has a two different limbs of their life. The worth and physical limb, the body, and also spiritual limb. The way for the Gnosticism to take them to heaven, eternal life, is not about their body. It is about their knowledge. If they find this true information, newer and better information, through enlightening, reading the word of God, and also thinking and also uh, in a compliment, and, and then they were able to be letting into the heaven. They don't care about the body. How good is that? Think about that. All they have to do is right here. If they have a full understanding about Jesus Christ, if they have full understanding about God, they will go to heaven. While they have this fullness of their life, enjoying their life, this earthly, this full of possessions, they can just fully enjoy their life. And against that false doctrine, this disciple, John, was writing this letter. And in this letter he says, we proclaim to you, meaning we already preached to you. What did they preach? What we have seen and what we have heard. What is that? It's about Jesus Christ. It's about the message of the gospel. It's about this living cross upon the power of Jesus Christ. And, they, and then they said this, we also may have fellowship with them. Does it sound like because of they know Jesus Christ, we can have a cup of coffee? No. Far from that. What John is saying is because you heard and seen that you may have this fellowship. That means you may have this in agreement of the faith and doctrine. You may sharing and enlarging and embarking and marching together to the same goal. And their koinonia fellowship, it says it's, it's built on their fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Many people think the fellowship is, okay, having this great relationship. No. Subject was omitted. Subject us as our Lord Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, this koinonia is in vain. And I believe the true meaning of koinonia is this. You can read it all together. Being in agreement with one another, having the same unified purpose, and serving alongside each other. Do you see the three dimensions of the koinonia right here? In order for you to have this true koinonia, there is a number one dimension. What's the first dimension? You have to be in agreement with one another for the doctrine of Jesus Christ. In other words, you have this common foundation of Jesus Christ. The second is what? Upon the common foundation, you are two marching together with the same goal. That is a second dimension. And how does the life of koinonia being demonstrated? With your hands, with your feet. That's what it is. And I believe the great demonstration, another demonstration is also found in the letter of Romans, written by Paul, chapter 12. You know the chapter 12 is actually one of the most famous actually, passages in the Bible, in the book of Romans. Oops. Okay. Now, in chapter 12 of the book of Romans, is this. This Paul says, that you sacrifice your life as a living, living sacrifice. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your heart. 
Paul is urging people, as a people of Koinonia, live your life for the sake of Jesus Christ. And in the second part, he says, how this life of Koinonia being demonstrated? In other words, it's also being one another. We can eat it all together. Be devoted to one another, honor one another, to line in harmony with one another, to accept, serve, love one another. Hospitality and belonging to one another. If I summarize all this together, I believe the koinonia is just to do life together. Can I get an amen on that? Now, the koinonia is not about you having this great cup of coffee and donuts and talk about, you know, Patriots or Celtics or, you know, Red Sox. No, the meaning of koinonia is this. People with a one faithful foundation marching toward the same goal. And as they're living, and their life is going to be demonstrated with their hands and their faith. A great example is also found in the next chapter, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now, if you take a look at this Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, you will see this man, man lame from birth. This man was just there from the very beginning. Think about the life of a man who was lame. That means he was not able to even get up and walk. When this, all the other babies took the first step, he did not. When these children are running and playing around, he was not able to. When this, all teenagers start working in the field, he could not do any help. He was a great example of life that was divided, desolated, discarded, and then also marginalized and overlooked. Oh, he did, was there to begging and asking for help. And you will see how the people of Koinonia doing life together with the same goal, with the same mission, and going there to impact the man, those are in need. Let me just say this up front. When God, the people of Koinonia, they're working together with the same mind and same, 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 same mission, God will do the things unexpected. God is doing the unexpected things in their lives. If you take a look at this verse 2 of the third chapter, you will see this man was not only lame from birth, he was also being carried by others. At this gate called the beautiful. Think about his life. Not only he was just making his life a begging, he has no tongue. He has no autonomy. He has no choice his expectation of his life is just, that's it. Today I'm lucky, I'm just going to ask for money, a few more coins, put it into my, my basket, or somebody probably throw some food for me. That was his expectation. As a usual, he went out and asking for money. And if you take a look at the verse 1, it says that, you can read it all together, one day, the Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. In other words, this man of Koinonia, and they were doing their life routine as a prayer. In other words, they were devoted to their life. 
At the time, there are prayers at 9 o'clock in the morning, at noon, and also 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They didn't have an intention to fix this guy or heal this guy. No, he was, they were just walking there and trying to do their life, their devoted life. And God used a man of devotion to do the right things. And I believe that's the first lesson that we can learn. We can read it all together. Koinonia with others is a byproduct of koinonia with God. What do I mean by that? It's not about koinonia, making life together, do our work together with your own will, with your own heart. No. Koinonia, your life of being together, doing life together, should be the byproduct of koinonia with God. As I said, think about the life of Peter and John. They were just passing by as they follow their devoted life in Christ. They're just trying to do praise. But God, you just summon whose life was devoted to God, whose life was this koinonia with God, and use them to this great, amazing work. I think about that. When he saw him, he said, please give me mercy and help me. The money. I'm sure that they, he didn't even look at that. How many people are just walked by? How many people just probably, if they're lucky, just throw a few coins? Try to be away their eyes or sides from him. Because at the time, if you are the man or woman with this disabled, and it was considered to be a curse, and you're living a life under the outcome, penalty of that sin and their curse. You don't want to deal with anything. You don't want to do with anything. That's, that's the life. That's the life of him. And as Peter and John was passing by, he was asking for money. And this is what Peter said. Look at us. Now, see this Peter? The man who was filled with communion and the same mission with God as this marching the same goal with the hands and feet. He did not just throw some coins. No. He wanted to revitalize him, humanize him, dignify him. He wanted to put the value on him. That's why he said, look at us. And after that he said, silver and gold I do not have. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. That's the second lesson that we can learn here. We did it all together. Koinonia leaves unexpected blessings from God. Amen. Think about that. If you live your life as a one heart and one mind and one accord to the work of God, which is koinonia, live life and do life together, that koinonia leaves unexpected blessings from God. And I believe that koinonia and result in the unexpected blessings to both parties, Peter and John first, and then also this man, those who were lame and in need of others' help. Think about Peter and John's unexpected blessings. When he was, you know, he was able to get up. And he would start jumping and walking and then jumping. This is a great miracle. His expectation of his life is getting a little bit more coin. But when the people of God, with the mind of Koinonia, you know, worked on him with the help of God, he was able to experience this great, great blessings. They would never, ever imagine in his life. The miracle was amazing. Because you guys ever been in the hospitalized? 
and lying on a hospital bed more than probably a month or so. I was in that circumstance before. And it took me months to build up my muscle. I wasn't even able to get up and take this step after lying down a whole month in the hospital bed. It takes time to build up the strength through your muscle. That's how our expectation. But God's expectation is beyond us. God does unexpected things. When there is uh, the presence of God through this mediator, human agent, Peter and John, and he was able to just walk, somehow get up and walk and start jumping. He was so excited to walk in and jumping into the temple. He was never been invited because of the circumstances. When people started noticing him, probably from his look, he was so popular there, probably because every three times of the day they passed by, they probably noticed him. All people by the Bible record that they were amazed by this great miracle. And Peter did not miss that opportunity. And Peter grabbed that opportunity and preached. That's what you can find in the rest of the third chapter and the beginning of the fourth chapter. His preaching wasn't about this man. Oh, think about this man, how great this, this miracle and healing was. His preaching wasn't about the Peter and John too. Look at me, how great we were. This great power that was given by God. No, his preaching was about Jesus Christ. It's about the cross of Jesus Christ. It was about salvation. His preaching was about the source of their power, source of this unexpected miracle. And as a result, there are so many people who are able to believe Jesus Christ. God does unexpected things. If you devoted your life to the Christ as a people of Koinonia, think about these unexpected blessings from these lame beggars, you know, shoes. As I said, his probable expectation at his best Probably was given this few more coins. Probably was given this few more food. But one of the people of Koinonia put his hands and his feet following the mission of Koinonia. God just blessed them. And God was able to meet their needs beyond and above, far above. God does unexpected things in his life. That's what I believe that the life of Koinonia, brothers and sisters, I'm going to go back and I'll share with you what the Holy Church, after they received this Holy Spirit, understanding the true meaning of Koinonia. We can read this all together. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold the property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. You see how this life of Koinonia being demonstrated here? All the believers work together. It's not just physically together. Their hearts, their minds are together because of the joy that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. And they said they had everything in common. Some translations, some commentaries, some preachers said they had shared belongings and possessions. Like, no, it's more than that. According to the meaning of Koinonia, they had their doctrine, their faith, and their belief, and their goal, and their destiny. The way they're going to be doing is all in common. Unity was really taking place here. And verse 5, you will see how this man and woman of Koinonia 
will be marching on this purpose. They said they sold property and possessions. It didn't say that all property and all possessions. Because I remember hearing that one of the preachers said, you see that? We have to sell all our, we have to sell all our properties and belongings. No, it doesn't say that. But be mindful. Their property, especially, is what value them. It's also identified who they are. It's their power. It's their fame. It's their you know, dignity. And it's their identity. They sold what's really value for them and gave it to anyone who had a need. That is the true meaning of life together. Brothers and sisters, when I was uh, struggling in my life, my expectation was very low. My expectation in my life as I was sick was to probably at best to have functional life. Because how many years that I was in a big functional life? You have no idea. When you are, you know, some body was trouble, the other organs and other bodies and cells were kind of, you know, try to work around that. And really takes up a lot of energy. And how many times that I ask God, Lord, just give me the function of life. When God worked in the midst of my life with the people of Koinonia, God just did amazing, as far beyond that I can ever imagine in my life. My goal expectation was to live my healthy life. That was it. And perhaps I can probably, you know, serve the church in a way that I could. God's plan was far beyond than that. God always does unexpected things. When people committed their life for the sake of Jesus Christ, marching together, here I am as a pastor of this church, guiding you and ministering you and living and doing life together with you. I never imagined I was going to get married. Here I am. God bless us with our marriage relationship. And especially, I never imagined that I was going to have a baby. But God blessed us to be a father of this beautiful daughter. God didn't go by himself, remember this. God always used a people who had same faith and same doctrine, who's marching toward the same goal, and whose life being demonstrated by their hands and their feet. That is the true meaning of life of Cornelia. Brothers and sisters, what is it that troubles you right now? What is your expectation? What is that defines you and limit you? Remember, it's not you. There's no singular if you take a look at the early church. It is a plural. There's no I in the church. It is us and we, plural as a church. We're here for you. Let's live our life together. Let's march our life together, the life of Koinonia, so that God is going to be blessed and glorified. Thank you, amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we just want to give you praise and honor today for the meaning and an old book of Koinonia, Lord. I ask in the name of Jesus as we continue to march on this with same goal, same destiny, and same purpose. May you use us. May the Holy Spirit hold us and guide us so that we, our life, life of Koinonia, being demonstrated with our hands, with our feet. Because when we do that, God, that you do unexpected things. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.